What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler Pachalki. What's going on, Tyler? How you been, man? Man, I am, I'm in the Shane Falco jersey today. I just got brand started new. out. Brand, brand new. Brand new Shane Falco jersey. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I didn't think this day would ever come, and I'm, it's my favorite fictional athlete ever. So, Well, you made it. Him. I made it. So before we start, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Be sure to follow the show at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on Twitter, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler's underscore world underscore. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Just type in keyword the Sports Kingdom Show. Check us out now on Anchor as well, anchor.fm slash TSK show, or just download the Anchor app for your iPhone or Android. We have a lot going on this week on the TSK show. Obviously, the NBA playoffs are in full swing, and Tyler and I will go over everything that is going on in each of the playoff series. Uh, Tyler also has another two-minute drill that he wants to put me through at the end of the show. But we are getting much closer to the beginning of the NFL season, and the NFL draft begins on Thursday. So in the spirit of the draft, Tyler and I want to share and discuss the five things we are most looking forward to during this year's NFL draft. So Tyler, why don't you start off with the number one thing you are looking forward to? Excited. Excited just to have football back in general. Um, But I'm going to start off with the obvious one um, for me as a Seattle fan. Uh, is what Seattle's going to do in the draft. Um, traditionally, we've been pretty good here. We got eight picks this year, and we're picking at 18 overall, which is higher than we've had in a long time. Um, so I'm interested to see where we go. I think uh, the positions I think we need to draft, I think we need a quarterback. Um, we need to like address that backup position. Uh, we, need, we still need to add tackles. We still need to add some D linemen. Um, and I think some backup corners and linebackers would be good. Um, the linebacker one, Shaquem Griffin, uh, obviously yeah. that's been a huge story for everyone um, that's been paying attention to the draft this year. His brother uh, plays for the Seahawks, so uh, we need youth behind um, Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, so that would be a great that would be a great pickup if somehow – I think right now with the picks we have, I don't think we're in a position to get them because it's like we have the 18th pick overall and then we don't pick again until the fourth round. Oh, wow. Which I think is where he's going to go. Um, so we'll probably have to, we're we're gonna make some moves. I think where Seahawks are traditionally a team that makes moves in the draft, so we might move up to get them. The other guy I'm really interested in to see that that could be possible um, in that fourth round. Uh, we have four fifth round picks. Also, is Luke Falk, um, the Washington State quarterback. Nice um, little he, backup for Russell, right? Yeah, there. he moved he moved up pretty high in the draft stocks, um, and then dropped off a little bit at the end of his season when he wasn't playing. Uh, but the kid's like, uh, you know, he's he's a Peyton Manning, Tom Brady kind of idolized guy. Mm-hmm. He's very, you know, cerebral. It, he's big into preparation. Um, so it could be that could be a nice little, you know, bring him bring him over to the other side of the state and play backup for the Seahawks. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited to see what we do. Schneider and Pete Carroll have always done well in the draft. Now Schneider got some heat for watching Josh Allen throw because we have Russell Wilson. Yeah, um, but. Uh, Seattle Times, I think it was, wrote a pretty good piece on Schneider and why he was there. And he was on the management staff for the Packers when Aaron Rodgers dropped. Uh, you know, he was in their green room when Rodgers dropped to 24. Yeah. And they had a guy named Brett Favre on the team. So, you know, he just – I think he's just doing this to be prepared. You never know. Due diligence. We're at, we're at the 18th pick. Something something can happen. You know, Aaron Rodgers can drop to you at that type of – scenario it's not like we're trying to move on from russell wilson it's just always be ready yeah exactly so yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the seahawks do yeah so and i mean you got to be your number one thing has got to be the rams right yeah 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 so i mean the rams they obviously with all the trades that they made over the offseason they gained a lot of picks traded some away um but with this draft i think the main focus needs to be outside pass rushers and linebackers 
because and, that's just going to complete that defensive yeah. overhaul that's taking place. Yep, they got the big guys in the middle. Exactly. So that, now they need the outside. That's good. That's they, a good report right there, Sklar. <laughs> I like that one. And I'm looking at their picks right now, and they have great draft position. They have yeah, exactly. a, late, a late third round and then three fourth round picks. Yeah. Um, that's a great shot to take uh, to take shots on edge guys. Yeah, so I mean, I think I think this draft is going to be very defensive centric. Yeah. Um, I mean, also, I mean, the line on offense is getting older. Every everyone always drafts linemen. I exactly. Mean, that's, that's just how you you're always trying to get a better offensive line. But when it comes to really all the skill positions, yeah, I think set. we're pretty set. You're, no, you're locked and loaded. I don't see it now. It's just filling in all those little pieces that we need. Yeah, especially with the picks you guys have. You have four six four sixth round picks. Three fourth round picks and a third round pick. Yeah, I think you're gonna you're gonna take some shots on some athletes on, oh, on definitely, defense. Definitely. And, I mean, odds are in the NFL today, one of them is gonna work out. So that's uh, you guys are in a good position in the draft. Yeah, and then I mean, obviously, I think we're both looking forward to the quarterbacks. Yep, the quarterbacks is number two. I think scenario that everyone's looking forward to. Um, you got you got a handful of teams that are looking for quarterbacks. I think Cleveland. Um, is looking for a quarterback, even though they have Ty Taylor. The Giants, you got in there. You got the Jets. You got Miami, Buffalo, and Arizona. I think the, you're all looking for I saw it. I saw a report on Bleacher Report earlier when I was doing my notes and stuff that the Jets canceled all of their non-quarterback meetings. Yeah, that, they're going quarterback. I yeah, mean, they have I think, to. I think the Jets at three are for sure. The Giants, to me, I think have all the pressure to take Saquon Barkley um, because they still have Eli. But Jets got to Jets have to take a quarterback, and the other team that watched to make a move is Buffalo trading up. They're at yeah. the 12th spot right now. Miami, who is a division rival of theirs, is one spot above that also needs a quarterback. So I think Buffalo is going to make a move to try and get ahead to get the guy they like, and then um, Arizona at 15 could take a quarterback. Uh, the, you know they got Bradford, so it's kind of it, they're in an iffy position there. But, yeah, it's, you know, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, the big arm guy, Josh Rosen, the local kid, Sam Darnold, the local kid, and then Lamar Jackson, the, the lightning bolt. It's going yeah. to be interesting to see where they fall. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Who do you like out of that group? Who, who would you go with if you, if you were drafting your quarterback? I mean, I watched all of Josh Rosen's games in college. I, he is, in my opinion, the most ready. prototypical NFL pro quarterback and I, I do think he's the most ready. So if you were Josh Rosen's agent, where would you want him to go? Or if you were Josh Rosen, where would you want to go in this draft? Jets at three? No, I wouldn't want to go to the Jets. I'd, ra I'd rather go to Buffalo, Miami? No, I don't want to go to any of those places. I'd rather be a giant. I'd rather learn under uh, Eli Manning. Yeah, see, I, um, that's going to be interesting. The Giants' second pick is extremely interesting to me because they have Eli, so they can easily – go either way they can t t take their next guy that they feel like you know we're going to move on and groom uh while eli is still here or they can be like we're going to play with eli and we cannot pass up on saquon barkley um you know it's going to be tough because eli saquon barkley and odell beckham looks seems like a pretty nice offense and I think that's a nice be, three headed monster yeah right you're there. right there ready to go so um the giants are going to have a lot of pressure um and then cleveland is gonna i don't you know they're not going to take two quarterbacks so out of those, out of those first four picks, two quarterbacks are going to go. It's going to be interesting to see um, which ones go. I, uh, I like Baker Mayfield though, man. It's it's I, it's tough for me to go. I, there's a lot of there's a lot to like about all five of these guys, including Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Um, but Baker Mayfield, I I say this a lot when I'm talking to my friends, but when it comes to quarterbacking and being at practice and winning a position battle and winning a quarterback position battle, I don't know if there's anyone. On any of those teams I named that can beat Baker Mayfield in a quarterback competition, I just think that kid's going to look good no yeah. matter what. And game one, you're going to want to roll with Baker. Yeah, no, I mean, I love Baker Mayfield. I think I think with all the comparisons that he gets to Johnny Manziel, the difference between the two, and, I mean, I've heard this in multiple interviews from his coach and other teammates, all the antics that Baker Mayfield does, they're on the field and they're – to help motivate his teammates, yeah, and they're all yeah. there. He's really about the team. Philip Rivers, Cam Newton, exactly. You know, these guys, there's guys that do this kind of stuff. It's it, that's, if anything, that's more attractive to a coach, I think, because he's 100%. fired up. And like I said, in the in a position battle, you know, if he goes against if he goes against someone like. 
Tyrod Taylor, Josh McCown, or Ryan Tannehill he come off win an injury. That. He could or win Sam that. Bradford. He can win these quarterback. He, he's going to win those uh, competitions. So look for Baker Mayfield to be a player in the NFL. I don't, his height has nothing to do with it. Um, Completely agree. He's already he's already been a player at a at a at a big time level. So yeah, I mean the the quarterbacks are going to be interesting. We'll see see what happens. Um, that's obviously the I think the big story of the draft. Yeah, and then I mean another thing I'm looking forward to is, I mean, we all know who the Browns are. Yep. Are they going to mess this up again? <laughs> that's that's do, a good question. Do they take Saquon at one and then a QB at four to to kind of give that competition? Like we were talking about kind of like with Baker Mayfield, who's yeah. in, who I've heard is in kind of their thought or in their mind basically on maybe p- even taking him at number one. Yep. But, I mean, do they take Saquon at one and then trade four? It's gonna be what? What do they be do? Tough because they, you know, honestly, I think trading the pick would be a good, a good way to do it if one of these teams is really trying to get up and get a quarterback. If they think that they can get their quarterback at four, so say, you know, if they feel like Baker is their guy and they can get him at four, then you know you could trade the pick or whatnot. But I think at number four they have to go defense. So I think with this number one pick, if they want a quarterback, it needs either to be their quarterback or Saquon Barkley at number one. I agree. And at number four, it needs to be Bradley Chubb, the the defensive end from Georgia to play on the opposite side of Miles Garrett, or it needs to be one of those. Uh, there's a couple DBs that are really nice. Um, I think that's where they need to go at the number four pick. Now, if Barkley's there at the fourth pick, you don't pass on him twice. No, no. You know that's I, even though. They don't necessarily need a running back. They have solid running backs, but Barkley. But he's a you know, player. People you are pass touting him on. as once of once in a life, once in a generation players. So, yeah. Um, yeah. The the Browns are poised to blow it because there's so much pressure. But they if they get this right, they could really hit a home run at this draft because they're it could really, change. They get, they've got a lot of good things going on in in Cleveland. It could change their franchise forever. This draft. Yeah, exactly. Because I think you know Miles Garrett is is a, is a special player. Yeah, he had a great rookie season. You know, Jabril Peppers was a great pickup, and then you know Josh Gordon's coming back with Jarvis Landry and, exactly. and Tyrod and Duke Johnson and all these guys. Um, they're look, they're looking all right. They have they have some options, but you know to answer your question, Cleveland's always poised to ruin it. Exactly. So you know like, that's that's just what I'm waiting like, for is for them to mess this up. And so my third one, my third thing that I was saying is kind of along the lines is I'm waiting to see who's going to fall in the draft. And it's like this is the way a way Cleveland could blow this is passing on um, Barkley twice. You know Which what I mean? Like that would not that shock would, me if they did something stupid. Yeah, like because that. It, my my thing is like there's a couple players: Baker Mayfield, um, Josh Allen, uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, you know, Rosen, Lamar, all these guys are, they could all drop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like none of them, no one knows who likes who. None of these, all of these guys could be the number one pick, but all of them could slide 10 they spots. They could slide. And it's like, if if Saquon Barkley doesn't go at the number two pick, right? And we just talked about how, you know, I think I think Cleveland's going to go quarterback number one. Um, if and the, and the Giants, you know, they have an option. They can go quarterback to build for the future, or they can go Saquon now. If Giants don't go Saquon at two, Jets are going quarterback. They're not taking Saquon Barkley. No, uh, they don't and then, need him. And then you have Cleveland coming up again as a four. They're poised to fuck that up. <laughs> and then it, now you're looking at like could, could Saquon Barkley fall to to five at Denver or you know like it, it could be really interesting to see how far you know someone like that caliber that's like a number one pick caliber, how far could he fall? Um, and then it's like Josh Allen and and Baker Mayfield. I you know I think. Uh, Rosen and Darnold are kind of safe. They're the safer ones. I, th- I, I don't. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna go past uh, eleven and twelve with Miami and Buffalo. But Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield, like people have knocks on him. Yeah. You know, Josh Allen didn't throw a lot in college. We haven't seen him throw. You know. You know a huge volume. And look at the competition uh, he played. And look at the competition he played. And then Baker's short. He's got his. Eight. Blah blah blah, you know. Yeah, it could be interesting to see uh, who falls, and obviously, I'm interested because Seattle's right in that range where they're going to be able to pick somebody up if they, you know, at that 18 pick, if something goes crazy. So, yeah, I'm 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 interested to see who's going to be that one sitting in the green room. Yeah, and then the fourth thing, the fourth thing I'm most looking forward to, uh, you kind of touched on it when you were talking about the Seahawks, uh, is uh, where Shaquem Griffin will go. 
Yep. Uh, he's this pro- is a great, just great. Yeah, he's he's projected to go in like the fourth or fifth round, but just the story and everything yeah. about it. His brother's already in the NFL. I think he's going to be a success story. Yeah, exactly. I don't see any reason why he's not going to be. He's going to be a stud on special teams. If anything yeah, else. if anything. So yeah, no, that's going to be it's going to be awesome because he. It's there. I mean, I, I never thought I would see someone without a hand, you know, playing in the NFL. But he's he for sure has the talent. He for sure is a good enough athlete. Oh, for sure. Um, he's going to get drafted, so it's going to be it's going to be really cool to see where he goes. I just hope he goes somewhere where he can actually, you know, contribute right away. Yeah. It'd be great to see him um, in Seattle with his brother. It'd be great to see him in Florida, you know, where yeah, where, where he went to college. Up. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, Shaquem Griffin. I, I'm just pulling hard for the Hawks to get him. <laughs> we could just use him in so many different ways, you know. And, and Pete Carroll is such a, a up en- a high energy guy that I think he fits perfect. Yeah. Um, but at number four, I got I got two. There's two DBs, and for some reason, I always fall in love with DBs in the draft. But Minka Fitzpatrick out of Alabama and Derwin James out of Florida State. Um, I'm really excited to see where they go. Because I think they're going to be, you know, these all-pro, Pro Bowl caliber safeties or corners, depending on where they play. Um, and there's some teams that aren't looking at quarterbacks early in the first round that if they pick up a stud safety, they could change their team. Yeah. You got, you got like, uh, well, Cleveland at four. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the Colts, the Bucks, the Bears, and the Niners all draft in the top, top 10, 12. 49ers picking up a stud safety like that to go with Eric Reed and, and all those D linemen they've drafted. Um, the Bucks are right there. Uh, Bears got Bears got their quarterback. They're ready to roll. They're ready to build around him. Um, so watch out for Minka Fitzpatrick and Derwin James. These guys are studs. I think they're going to be Pro Bowl safeties. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see who takes advantage of getting that guy. Yeah, definitely. I think I think both of those those guys will have solid careers in the NFL. Um, what, what's the last thing you're most looking forward to? Last thing, I think um, outside of the very outside of the very first pick, that's like when the dominoes will start falling, is I think the next really big pick is the fifth pick where Denver's at. Um, I'm really interested to see where they go. Paxton Lynch hasn't worked out. Um, they signed Case Keenum, so you know Case Keenum's a guy where they could go they could go quarterback, but I don't really think they need a quarterback. But there's definitely room for a quarterback competition in Denver. And and like I said earlier, Buffalo really needs to jump Miami in the draft to get the guy that they like ahead of their division rival. I mean, you'd be sick to get beat. Like if Miami takes the guy that beats Buffalo for the next 10 years one spot ahead of them, you know, they're going to be sick. So I think Buffalo really needs to make the draft cuz I don't think Denver needs the 5th pick. No, they I think don't. they need more players. They don't need like a stud right away. Um, they have eight picks, four in the first three rounds. So they have, you know, Arizona, Buffalo, Miami. I think they're all going to be trying to trade up to get their quarterback. So Denver has a lot of, uh, they got a lot of options right now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that fifth pick. I'm pretty sure they are shopping the fifth pick too. Yeah, I think they are too. I think I think he's uh, Elway is accepting all all offers right now. Yeah, why um, and why wouldn't you? Yeah. Because they, you know, they have veterans on defense. They have veterans on offense. Um, Case Keenum had a, a fantastic had a great year. season. Great this year. year. So it's like to say they need a quarterback is kind of you know super disrespectful to Case Keenum. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like you know, it's Case Keenum. Not everyone's super high on him. Yeah. So the last thing that I'm looking forward to in the draft. Um, so on Sunday, I was I was driving home from Coachella. And I was on the Bleacher Report app, and I was just looking through it, and I, I found this story. It's about a defensive end uh, from Florida, Chad Thomas. Okay. Have you heard of him? No, I thought no, I thought you were going somewhere else with this, but no. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Chad Chad Thomas, he's a defensive end. He went to Miami. He's from South Florida. Yep. And one of his other passions besides football is producing music and making beats. Oh no. He's produced songs for Rick Ross and Kodak Black. Yeah. DJ Khaled and Drake have sampled his beats, and he will have a song on Rick Ross's upcoming album that's supposed to come out sometime after the draft. So he's a producer, and he's a and he's an NFL draft prospect. Yes, he had to go through NCAA compliance. Like there was a whole big issue with because he's getting paid. Well, the NCAA told him all the stuff that he could do. So he would still remain eligible. 
didn't get paid for most of this stuff. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. But in all of his draft interviews, everybody, every team that he's talked to has questioned his commitment to football. Yeah, of course. So, and he says he's 100% committed to football. His thing is, like, anybody can make a million dollars without having to go hit their head. I'm playing football for the love of the game. Yeah, exactly. No, that's always that's always the response when if money is not your motive, what's your motive? That's always the response is, hey, money isn't my motive. That's the whole thing is I played to play the game, exactly. not for the money. So, I mean, he's projected to go on the second day of the draft. Well, hopefully he gets drafted by a rap, like a, a, a rap heavy culture, you know, yeah. Miami, Atlanta, Houston. Yeah. So, I mean, I just that inter- that story was just so interesting to me when yeah, I was reading it. That is interesting. Um, but yeah, no, so when it'll you started be out. There's a there's a rugby player coming over. Oh really? So I thought maybe when you said defensive end, I thought oh maybe you're bringing there's a there's a six eight three hundred and forty five pound. Oh, that's a big man. Twenty I think he's twenty years old or twenty one years old. That's um, huge. He's from New Zealand, uh, but he's been playing rugby in Sydney, Australia. And he's in the NFL draft this year. I don't think he's I don't think he's like predicted to get drafted, but people think that he's going to get signed just to see if they can teach him the game because he never played. Yeah. But he ran like a four. He ran like a five one forty, which is like pretty good for someone that's three hundred. Yeah, someone six eight forty eight pounds. Too. So there, that, that, I thought that's where you're going with that. But, but no, yeah. So it yeah, is. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked to have football back. So it's nice yeah, to be 100%. talking about it again. Yeah, I'm excited, um, especially for the draft. The draft is always such a good time. Um, I have such fond memories of watching the draft growing up, and uh, Seattle always does so good. So that's another great, you know, yeah. reason to watch. Exactly. So now let's move. Uh, let's move to the NBA playoffs. To the good stuff. Yeah. So do you want to you want to start in the East or the West? Yeah, we could start in the East. All right, uh, let's do it. Yeah, the East is is great. Two uh, two series all around, other than Philly. I think that's a uh, you know that says something about the East. It's been it's been a great season as far as competition goes. Because I mean, the big story coming into this year was competition. Is, yeah. Is there any competition left? Um, but yeah, we'll start out with the one eight, the Toronto series tied two two right now. Um, my original prediction was Toronto and six. I'm gonna stick with that one because I think you know game five in Toronto, um, it's gonna be an extremely tough win for Toronto. But I think they're gonna be end, end up being able to win game five at home and taking that commanding three two lead. Uh, and then you know after that, I think it's just gonna be tough for DC to get up for that game six. Yeah, exactly. Um, after. I'm just gonna. I, I'm just assuming that DC is gonna put all their effort into Game Five, winning in Toronto, and if they lose that game, it's gonna be tough. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I, li- I like the way Toronto's playing right now, um, but I don't know if Toronto's making it out of the second round. No, I don't. I don't know if Toronto's gonna make it out of the second round either. But I definitely think that DC is gonna go full force in Game Five. Yep. If obviously it's gonna be tough to win back in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Toronto has a great home court advantage. Um, I think Toronto ultimately wins that game five. And then back in D.C., D.C. is going to be fighting for their life, and I just don't know if yeah, they're going to have much left tough. in the tank. Yeah, yeah, it's just tough to get up for that game six because you know you got to beat them twice in a row, and you got to go right back to where you just lost. And you're not going to win in, in game seven. So um, getting to game seven is always important because anything can happen in a game seven, but – I like Toronto to close this one out in six. Uh, game five is going to be great, though. Oh, I mean, yeah. this is going to be – this is for this is for both their seasons. You know, game fives are, are the best, some of the best games uh, in sports. So, we'll, we'll, we'll see Toronto and D.C. playing really well, a high effort. Yeah, 100%. Next, I mean, we got to go Boston-Milwaukee. Uh, 2-2, Milwaukee tying it up, uh, going back – to Boston for game five. Basically what I what this has come down to to me is can Giannis be Ant Davis and kind of carry him and his cast to the to the next round. Uh and, and no shot to no shot to Drew Holiday and Rondo because they're playing amazing. I don't mean Ant no, Davis. They're playing is, incredible. I don't mean Ant Davis is doing it by himself, but is Giannis going to take that next step as a superstar and lead his team to the next round? And on Boston's side it's like Brad Stevens is basically just coaching it, coaching his butt off trying to beat Milwaukee because exactly. Milwaukee has more talent. And, you know, Brad Stevens is working with guys like Terry Rozier, a rookie, and Jason Tatum, you know, an older Al Horford. He doesn't have his two max contract guys. He doesn't have Marcus Smart. Um, 
I think Brad, you know, Brad Stevens is going to be able to get get another win in there, but I think Milwaukee's going to end up taking this series. You think Milwaukee's going to take it? Yep. I like I, I originally had Milwaukee in seven. Now I think Milwaukee might be able to win in six. Although every game's been super close. Um, it hasn't been like anything crazy. Uh, well, right right now, they're playing right now, and it's 51-39 to 39 with 9.55 to go in the third quarter. Boston's winning. Yeah, and Boston's played great, but I just think at the end of the day, the Milwaukee's talent's going to overcome um, being able to be outcoached by Brad Stevens. Yeah, I mean, I, I have Celtics in seven. Um, I, th- I think that Brad Stevens' coaching is exactly what is exactly what will propel Celtics to at least advance to the second round. To me, Giannis hasn't shown that he can take his game and his team to the next level. No, he hasn't. That's why I think this is that's what it comes down to is is Brad Stevens going to outcoach Milwaukee or is Giannis going to take that step? Giannis needs to come out and have a monster game. And so I was looking at it and it's like this could be, you know, we are setting up for if it's a game 7 in Boston, and Giannis comes out and has a monster. That could be his Michael Jordan. You it know? could be. That, if he goes out there and dominates a game seven in Boston in front of everybody and takes the Bucks to the second round, that could be a huge, huge game in Giannis's career and a massive step. And it, it could easily happen. Yeah. Easily happen. It could easily happen. This, this series could easily – this has been the closest series, I think, in the East as far as, like, the score goes. Um, so, it's – could easily go either way yeah no i i mean i think that giannis definitely has that potential to take over a game yeah he hasn't done it yet let's see if he can actually put mine to no, the court no and let's I, let's get this done type yeah thing. exactly and i just i think if he really does really does that you know really focuses in and really goes after it there's no one on boston that's tough and yeah him. i don't think jason tatum as a rookie i just don't think he's doing it um, but moving on to the probably the most popular series of the playoffs, Philadelphia and Miami. It's getting pretty chippy, too. Which is great. I yeah. love that playoff basketball is going on now. Four games in, people are tired of each other. Um, my uh, Philly's up 3-1. I originally had Miami in six. Obviously, Miami's not doing that. Um, I don't really think Miami's going to win this series now. Uh, I think clearly the, the momentum is rolled towards Philadelphia. Meek Mill's out of jail. He's coming He's to at the game. the game. He's at the game. Uh, Embiid and Simmons are riding off extreme confidence. Their, their confidence They're riding at an all-time Their confidence right hasn't now. been checked in so long that now it's scary. I mean, now it's like they, they believe this shit and they're playing well. So it's like, you know, who's going to beat these guys? Um, but Miami, Miami could easily win tonight, you know, and, and, you know, force it to a game six or a game seven. But I just think with the way the Sixers are rolling right now, they've kind of changed my opinion, and they're looking like they're they're going to win this game. They're going to win this in five, and they're probably going to beat Boston or Milwaukee, whoever they play next. Yeah. Although I still think Giannis is a problem, you know, with with all those lengthy guys out there, because they match the Sixers' length, you know. Um, but we'll see. Philadelphia, I I don't know where to put him yet. You know, yeah, it's still. I, it's still the Sixers. I had Miami in seven, and I mean, now with with Meek Mill getting out, the whole city's a buzz. He he's at the game. I think they're going to close it out tonight and yeah. win in five. No, I think they're going to close it out tonight. If they lose tonight, Miami can definitely win tonight. And I think if Miami wins tonight, they can push it to a game seven. Yeah, but it's going to be tough. Um, yeah, and beating Simmons, man, they're just riding. They're the real deal. They're riding hot, super hot right now. Um, I don't think they can beat the. Uh, I don't think they can beat the Raptors or the or Cleveland though. No, they don't have enough experience yet. So, um, and then to wrap it up, uh, Cleveland, Indiana, all the LeBron hate haters loving this series because, <laughs> I mean, Cleveland's looked like shit for the most part. They're, it's been a fun series to watch. Yeah, I I mean, Cleveland's yeah, it's it's physical, it's it's all that stuff. Um, LeBron and Lance never gets old. Never gets old. Ultimately, I think the Pacers can win. Um, because Cleveland has such weak chemistry right now and they don't know what they're doing and they're trying to figure it out. But I, I honestly think long-term this series is a wake-up call for the Cavs and it's help. It's going to be long-term help them. Now, the more games hurts their fatigue, but uh, I think the, getting all these chemistry bumps out and trying to figure out what the fuck they're doing and making these mistakes right now, um, I think this is getting them prepared for the next round. I think they have enough talent to get 
limp past Indiana. Yeah. Even though they probably shouldn't. Indiana's playing better basketball. Yeah. Cleveland just has the, the superior talent. Um, so Cleveland's lucky that they're going to get by. Uh, but after that, it's going to be just – it's going to be tough. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, we, we've said it all along. This is a much tougher road to the finals for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland's got to play uh, Toronto next round if they win. Yeah. Or, you know, if Toronto and Cleveland – so you, so you still have the Cavs winning the series? I still got the Cavs winning. I got Cavs. I got the Sixers. I got, I got Milwaukee and Toronto. Okay. Yeah, so I got, the, I got Toronto, Boston, Philly, and the Cavs moving on. Yep. So, yeah. And that, that wraps it up for the East. We'll move on to the West. Obviously, we'll start with the 1-8 matchup with Houston and Minnesota. Rockets, they're leading the series 3-1 to one after winning by 19 Monday night in Minnesota. The Rockets absolutely exploded in that third yeah, quarter. Yeah, I watched that third quarter, that 50-point third quarter, and it was just unreal. It's just like you get numb to it, you know what I mean? Like they're just hitting buckets. It's yeah. just like it was It was crazy. Um, it's not even like – it's not like Minnesota played terrible. Um, no. Houston just came out and dominated. Yeah, I mean, every starter but P.J. Tucker scored in double figures. James Harden had 36 points, four rebounds, three assists, four steals. Chris Paul had 25 points, six rebounds, six assists, and five steals. Clint Capella had 14, 17, and four blocks. And then Trevor Ariza added 15 points. Yeah. I was I was excited to see that in game three, Minnesota was able to win their first playoff game at home in 14 years. No, that was great. That's huge for the city, for – basketball itself because yeah. minnesota is a great basketball town and that first game was super close yeah like, it was you know what i mean minnesota this has been this has been good i think this is a great um this has been a great postseason uh for minnesota yeah they i i think they, they got a win against the best team in the nba in the playoffs they made it to the playoffs um i think they made all the steps they need to make i don't think it really matters how this series turns out um unfortunately i think the Rockets are going to wrap it up at home in five. Yeah, I mean, the Timberwolves, they've played pretty well all series. I just I just don't think they have enough to no, get it done no, against the best team they, in the NBA. No, but now they've got the experience. Um, we see that Carl Anthony Towns hasn't really turned on that killer modes, but he's He's got to be able to so, flip that switch So, you next know, season. that's something that, you know, we're, they want to work on in game five. Um, but as as other than that, they're ready to go. This team, like, I think they're going to feel good about their roster and moving forward. Yeah, I, s I said last week the Rockets, th they're going to win this series in five games. With it heading back to Houston now, I can't imagine that the Rockets are not going to close it out at home uh, in game five. Yeah, no, I, th I, th I think they wrap it up in game five as well. So now the 2-7 the matchup, we got the Warriors and the Spurs. The Warriors leading the series 3-1. to one. Obviously, we know Greg Popovich's wife, Aaron, passed away before game three. Uh, he didn't coach in either games three or four. Yeah. Uh, the Spurs were able to win game four, even without Greg Popovich on the sideline. Ginobili, the Ginobili game. Yeah, Ginobili had a great game. Uh, I said it to you guys, uh, I think the first day of the playoffs, that Ginobili and Parker are about to play the most minutes they've played all season. Yeah, of course. And, I mean, it's playoff time. It's unfortunate, that though, yeah. that the Spurs are in the position that they're in. You know, it's – it's just a sad way to end like such a tough season for San yeah. Antonio. I mean, I think at the end of the day, this is going to be a season that Pop is never going to want to revisit. Never. Um, the quiet thing's been weird. The you I, know, that's the biggest thing. The news about Pop's wife is terrible. And that, it came out of nowhere too. Tony, Nobody Tony, knew. Tony. Well, you know, I think people close. They well, all knew I, that they people, were close. People knew, but the general public did not. General know. public had no, no. idea. Um, yeah, it's just Tony and Manu are, you know, they're in the twilight of their career. This is a tough day for the Spurs. I think they're, you know, they're a great franchise. And they got some great young talent moving forward. So they're going to be all right. But I think Warriors wrap it up in five. Yeah, I mean, the series, it's heading back to Oakland for game five. I don't think that the Warriors can afford to lose game five, even though I don't think they're going to. No. But coming off a loss already, it's yeah. always tough to yeah, come lot, back. Uh, yeah, and San Antonio is just always San Antonio. They're exactly. always going to be tough to beat. They're an experienced team. They've been there. They've done that. Like, everybody against knows. Against these guys. Uh, yeah, against the Warriors themselves. But, I mean, I just don't see game five being any different from games one and two up in Oakland. Nope. So. I agree. Yeah, so we got the Warriors moving on. Yep. 
Now, the Thunder and the Jazz. This has been a fun series. Yeah, this is a good one. The Jazz, they're up 3-1. They were able to steal home court advantage from the Thunder by winning game two in OKC, and then they were able to win both both of their games at home in Utah. Uh, in game four, all five starters for the Jazz scored in double figures. Donovan Mitchell scored 33 points, setting the new franchise record for most points in a playoff game by a rookie, passing Carl Malone. Uh, OKC doesn't look like they can get it together, and it's not looking good for game five. Yeah, OKC ain't winning this series. I mean, I thought for sure OKC is winning this series. They're not winning this series. Also, the NBA's got to figure out how to get game five not on NBA TV. Because right now, the Jazz... It's on NBA TV. The Jazz and Thunder Wednesday NBA TV game. They better change that. They got to get that on TV. But, yeah, I mean, the Thunder became like... I mean, when we were talking about it throughout the season on the show, um, when we talked about the Thunder, you know, we would talk about the big three. Then I would also talk about how Billy Donovan needs to get the the rotation down. He needs to get the chemistry going. And they're just dribble and shoot. You know what I mean? They have no chemistry. They have no rhythm. The Jazz are everything. They're not. They're all chemistry. They're all together. They're making plays. Um, They're playing as a team. They're playing as a unit. They have an identity. Um, The Thunder are just getting straight punked. I mean, they're just getting straight punked right now. Um, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo's, you know, they need to all step up. Um, but they just I just don't think it's working. They're not playing together. Yeah. Mello, Mello does not look like Mello out there. No. And, I mean, I, w- I was over at, at your apartment last night watching game four, and you started talking about what Kenny Smith was saying at halftime about Russell Westbrook focusing too much. That was a, that was a bad idea. Yeah. To, to, I agreed with Kenny, yeah, uh, because – it's it was it just didn't make any sense to me why someone of Russell Westbrook's stature would say, "Oh, I'm going to come out and shut out Rookie Rubio." Like, why are you worrying? Rookie Rubio, I don't think can be like. Yes, they won on Rookie Rubio's big game, but that was Donovan Mitchell who really beat you. You know what exactly. I mean? And Rudy Gobert on defense, um, and the way they spread the court. It's a team game. If you're if his like mental focus is on Rookie Rubio. And playing defense. I mean, Utah he, already won. He had four fouls in the first half. It's just like he's already a, a, a high effort guy. You don't need to do that. I just thought that was a completely wrong way to approach the game from a player that I I adore. So yeah, I mean, it was surprising to see gonna, that. See that. Yeah, they just got to play as a team and want to win and trust each other, which I don't think they do right now. So and I think it's too late to figure it out. Uh, I don't see them beating the Jazz's defense three games in a row now. Well, I mean, now they have the talent; they can do it. Exactly, I think they have the talent to win Game Five, but I think they got to win three games in a row to win this series. I think Utah is winning this series in six. They're like OKC is going to come out on fire in Game Five at home. That home court advantage in OKC is tremendous, and they're not afraid, and they're they're ready to go. You know, not a lot of people saw the Jazz play, so yeah, they're ready to go. You know, Joe Joe Ingles is not backing down. Donovan Mitchell isn't backing down. You know, I mean, these guys are standing up for themselves. Yeah, and then, I mean, can we just talk about real quick how Stephen Adams made it to the No Flinch Hall of Fame? Yeah, no, that was great. You got, that's that. Yeah, <laughs> one of fifteen brothers fighting all. This, yeah, no, he's a, he's Stephen Adams is awesome. He's such a likable player, such a likable likable guy. I mean, he's a giant out there just regulating yeah. stuff. He has no real animosity towards anybody. No, so to take it, to take a bow in the face like that is just that's. That's beastly. Him and Kobe, the only members of the No Flinch yeah. Hall of Fame. Yep. So now the only series that's over. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> the three-four matchup between the Blazers and the Pelicans. The Pelicans swept the Blazers four-zero. The Pelicans absolutely dominated the Blazers in this series. Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday have been a- absolutely unreal in the playoffs. Davis in the first round averaged thirty-three points per game, eleven point yeah. rebound, eleven point eight rebounds per game. And 2.75 blocks per game. Drew Holiday averaged 27.8 points per game, six and a half assists a game, and then playoff Rondo has reemerged, and he averaged a double double in the first round with 11.3 points per game and 13.3 assists per game. Yeah, I'm pissed at myself about this one because I had I had Portland winning in seven. Yeah, and now and obviously hindsight is 2020, but. I was such a I was such a huge Allen Iverson fan growing up. I mean, Allen Iverson was my favorite player, and I constantly had to defend the 76ers by you know riding Allen Iverson. And 
And I always said Iverson could do it, one-man team. And Pelicans, again, I'm not trying to, like, you know, undermine what Drew Holiday's done in the playoffs or Rondo or Mirachick. Those guys have played great. But yeah. Ant Davis just was the – this is the only team that swept in the playoffs. They swept the three-seed Portland Trailblazers, um, and Ant Davis completely dominated. Um, he is now one of those guys where it's like – he reminds me of Kevin Garnett. I mean, it's just like this is a one-man team right here. This yeah. guy is unstoppable. Not one single person in the NBA can guard him. No. Um, and the Pelicans are now. It's just like they're 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 rolling. They're scary. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the Warriors have too much firepower, but Demarcus, when he said that they were going to beat the Warriors in the playoffs, now it's like, man, if just Demarcus a, was playing, it'd be would, so interesting. Just imagine them. what kind of damage they could do. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, Ant can get some wins against the, the Warriors, and I'm guessing he does because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fuck this up twice. <laughs> um, I think the Pelicans are gonna get a win or two against the Warriors in the next round, assuming that the Warriors win. But yeah, yeah, I'm pissing myself this series because I was high on Portland, but listen, Ant Davis, I should have known. I should have known a one man team can do that. Listen, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum did everything they possibly could to try and get the Blazers into all of those games to try and get them to win. But, I mean, Yusuf Nurkic, Ed Davis, uh, Mo Harkless, Zach Collins, those guys aren't stopping Anthony Davis. No, those are all the people we named. I was just like, this is not happening. Yeah, no. He's going to dominate these guys. He did. So, anyway, the, the Pelicans, are they're probably barring any craziness from San Antonio, like Kawhi Leonard coming back. The Warriors are moving on to play the Pelicans. Yeah, yeah, and that's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see because you got Ant Davis versus the Warriors. You know the un, the unbeatable Warriors versus the unstoppable player. Yeah, so it, I mean it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens the rest of the first round of the playoffs, and then as yep. we move to the second round. Yep, it's been a great playoff. You know, uh, three of the three of the series in the East are two two, three of the series in the West are three one. It's a, it's a good, it's been a good playoffs. Only one sweep. That's always good. Yeah, I mean, li like you said, the story all y all year and going into this season was going to be about competition, yep. and we got a much more competitive NBA yep. than yep. we were expecting Houston, to get. Houston jumped Golden State in the standings, and and Philadelphia uh, you know, won fifty games for Golden, the first time Golden since two thousand one. Golden State and Cleveland have lost games already. You know, they're yeah. not just walking into the finals. So yeah, it's been it's been a good year, and uh, the playoffs are only going to get better from here on out. It's gonna yeah, be, it's gonna be good. Each round gets better and better. All right, you ready to do this? There's some good shit going on in the two minute drill today. All right, let's do it. You got, the, you got the timer set? Oh yeah, I got the timer set. There's a lot of good things. So basically, two minute drill. I'm gonna shout. I got five topics for him. He's got two minutes to talk about each. Um, I'm gonna lay out a scenario. I'm gonna see what Sklar thinks here. Um, the first one. This is the one I'm just the most excited for. Was this the one you thought of on the way in? Or? No, 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 no. Oh. This was the one I was the most excited for. This is okay. a good one. I had to not talk about it or make this. Yeah, I have no I, idea I what these make, topics are. Yeah, he, he doesn't know what we're talking about. I wanted to make this comparison in the playoffs talk, but I didn't. But here it is. Um, are the new are the, are the Utah Jazz the new Detroit bad boy Pistons? And can you win a championship with the, that play style in today's super team era? We got people like Gobert, Favors, Ingles, Exum, Rubio, and Donovan Mitchell there for the future. You know, people like Crowder, Jarebko, Royce O'Neal, an undrafted guy. These guys fit this um, personality of a bad yeah. boys team. Yeah. Um, are the are is Utah Jazz building to be the new bad boy Pistons, and can they win a championship playing this style of basketball? I think. I like the comparison between the Utah Jazz and the Bad Boy Pistons. I see a lot of similarities there. Big man driven. Yeah, big man driven. They play with a lot of grit. They play with a lot of hustle. They're not right around 100 points. Right not, around, yeah. Not, not up in 110 like most people. Exactly. And they're also not afraid to back down from anybody. They will, as we saw in yeah. game four. Ingles look like a Bad Boy Piston out there. Yeah, when he hit that three at the end of the game, he, looked, he stared right at Paul and, George. You know that was that's very that was very Bill Lambeerish. Yeah, or, you know, or any of these guys. Yeah, I mean this the series between them and OKC has gotten very chippy. I, I like the comparison between them and the Bad Boys Pistons, but I don't think that in today's NBA that style of play can win a championship 
because of all the rule changes and how yeah. how like what's a foul possession and what's not a foul possession basketball the pace of the game is much faster now yeah um i i don't think because that. when and and so um and i'm going to bring up the other bad boy because when i say bad boy pistons I, I there's two of them to me you know there's the ben wallace rashid one which i think this team is closer to I'm th- um, I'm thinking, but no, no. Also, the, I I think all three of the teams are. If I if I lined up these three teams, they're all very similar. You, you yes. see a lot of similarities. Um, but I mean, I just think the Pistons. No one thought they could do it when yeah. when Shaq and Kobe were ruling the league. You oh know yeah. What I mean? So it's it was just that was a, I was super excited to see what you said because I think this is a team that's like you know if they just get some undrafted guys or some late draft picks, they keep developing. They get one more stud on this team. Um, yeah, you know, Gobert, I, Gobert and Favors can play with anybody. Ingles is a wild card. Um, you know, Rubio is that kind of like team point guard, and Donovan Mitchell's Donovan Mitchell's a superstar. A so yeah, Utah Jazz, the new uh, the new bad boy Pistons. Right on the right on the right in right front on room. the dot. All right, and here's another one that this was uh, this was one where we almost started diving into. Um, is it time to build the team around CJ, Dame, and Nurkic, or is it time to move on in Portland? See, we were talking about this last night. Yeah, I think and, this is a good topic right now. And, and you said that you thought them getting rid of LaMarcus was blowing it up. Uh, that's when they moved on, yeah. Right. I think that they need to do something whether it's trade somebody like Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum and really blow it up or well, do, well, doing something and moving those guys, you know, you can do something in addition. Right. Whereas like, so if my point of view is I think that Portland needs to hold on to Dame, CJ Nurkic, because I really only think they're in year two of this team. And I think they need to add pieces and keep trying. I don't think, I think this this sweep to the Pelicans was a kick in the gut where they're they're panicking where they yeah. shouldn't panic. No, yeah, I mean this was definitely them getting swept by the Pelicans was definitely unexpected because you know Lillard's really the only piece left from those Lamarcus Aldridge teams. Yeah, I mean, he is. CJ was on the team, but he was he was, he was he on wasn't the bench. A he was a role player. Um, you know, they got rid of Lamarcus, Wes Math, uh, uh, Nick, Nick Batum. They got all the rid of all those guys at the same time. Um, because they were moving on, they wanted to. They wanted to build their team around Dame and CJ. They had a great year last year, and they were able to pick up Nurkic at the very end. Yeah, um, that that was a huge trade. So I mean, I think it's. I think they need to build around Dame and CJ. I don't think I, they need to blow it up. When you when you put when you put it like this is only year two of this experiment, it makes me say, yeah, they they need to keep them and see see what else yeah. they can add instead yeah. of subtract. Yeah, because I think they're they're building their team similar to how you know Toronto and, and Washington D.C. built their team. Yeah, you know, you just add one one or two pieces every year around a couple superstars that you're fortunate enough to have, and you know it could it could be good for you. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, and then so the next one's gonna go right right along with this because I, I think this topic's a product of the series. Um, does the Pelicans' success in this postseason? convince them to move on from Boogie and spend money elsewhere? Or are they thinking, we have this team, what if we, you know, do we try to add Boogie to this? If I were them, I would move on from Boogie. And I think that, I don't think they're going to fully move on from Boogie, but I don't think he's going to get the max contract he wants because of the injury he had. Nobody comes back the same from an Achilles injury. Yeah, definitely. I, if I were them, I would move on. Yeah, not try to resign him, right? No, let him because go. Because the success in the postseason, it seems as if they're there. Yeah. You know, Miracic seems to be nice. Drew Holiday is obviously playing really well. Um, so I think, you know, I would say spend money elsewhere. Yeah, I would spend the money elsewhere. But what I think they will do is resign him because they will think, oh, my God, let's pair Anthony Davis with DeMarcus Cousins again. Look at what happened last year. It worked out. It, it worked out very well. But now – but DeMarcus is – I think if it – If it, it was flip-flopped, you know what I mean? If it was flip-flopped, they would walk. They would walk away from Anthony Davis. Who? The Pelicans. They would walk away from Boogie Cousins. What do you mean? 
I'm saying if if, if like no, if I'm saying no, 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 no. Sorry, not the contracts. If the Pelicans got swept by Portland, oh, they'd for sure move. They'd for sure move on from Boogie Cousins. Yeah, and see, and and it's in. I thought you. And if Portland would have swept New Orleans, Portland be like, we have Dame, CJ, and Nurkic. You know what I mean? Yeah. I thought it was interesting because that series just flip flopped two franchises completely. Yeah. Because I don't think they thought what was going to happen happened. No. So, you know, now all of a sudden Pelicans are like, oh, we're looking good. And Portland's like, what do we need to do? I don't think e- – I think either team needs to not overreact. I agree. I think they need to keep with what they got. I think they had both had great seasons, and um, they need to keep the stars that they have and spend money and build talent around them. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I think ultimately Boogie will get signed to less than a max deal. Yeah. And if, they, if the Pelicans don't like what they see, bye. They'll trade yeah. him. Yeah, it's easy. They have all the power. All right, moving on to the fourth topic. Now, this we're switching from – we're in basketball still, but we're going from NBA to three-on-three, three, baby. The big three. Ooh, it's, it's coming up again. Spicy. I want to know, are you interested in the big three? Do you think it's something that's going to last? And does the three-on-three three being in the Olympics now help out the big three? And are we eventually going to see a big three team in the Olympics? Well – I'll answer that part first. Yeah. The big three definitely helps the three-on-three in the Olympics, and the Olympics definitely helps the three-on-three, the, yeah, the big three. It's, gro- it's a growing sport. It's a h- hugely growing sport because three-on-three basketball is very different from five-on-five basketball. Yeah, it's a completely different game. And I'm excited to watch three-on-three in the next Summer Olympics. Um, I do think the big three is something that is going to stick around. I think it's a great league. Now, am I as interested in it as I am the NBA? No. No. But it's something that's very entertaining while the NBA is not. Yes, exactly. It is still basketball. It is former NBA players, so I get to see a lot of old school guys. Players that we love to watch. Exactly. I think Ice Cube running it has a great – it's like like Magic Johnson being a part owner of the Dodgers. It's a great face. Yeah, yeah. Ice Cube's a great face. He's, He's a huge sports fan. He knows a lot of athletes. He has a lot of connections. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I mean, I don't know. Do if you think? Do you think you'll ever see a big three? You know, say the big three championship teams, um, they're they're going to Olympic qualifying tournaments. Maybe. Do you think these guys want to do that? I mean, I don't think they. I don't think does the Rashad older, McCants, Al Harrington, and Stephen Jackson so. want to go to the Olympics and win a gold medal? I don't think so. But they could do it. You know, but you I, mean, think, you think, I think you think there's teams out there that could beat these guys. I think, yeah, because I think those three-on-three teams that are going to the Olympics from other countries are younger. And let's, let's just younger, be real. If the NBA was sending over three-on-three teams, it'd be even more. It'd be even worse than the real five-on-five games. I think I think the three-on-three. Like three, LeBron and Durant in the three-on-three game, it's yeah. just like. No, it's not fair. It's not fair. I, I think only amateurs are allowed to play for the U.S., I think, yeah. for the three-on-three. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think NBA players are going to go. Yeah, but I don't know if it's necessarily amateurs. I did hear through the grapevine that Robbie Hummel was had a team at the uh, at the like the Olympic qualifying qualifier. tournament. Yeah, I don't know if he won or anything, but that's Interesting. just this is a shot in the dark there. Yeah, and but he's no, not an amateur. Hey, so. I mean the big three. It, I I think it was pretty successful. In it's first great. Season. I think I think it's great. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see the big three in its second season. I'm excited that three-on-three is becoming a developed sport, and uh, I think the Olympics and the big three are going to grow together. It's going to be cool. The last one, I'm going to go away from basketball. Um, Just to end it, we started with football. I'll end with football. Um, This is, like, one of my favorite uh, topics. But I want to know out of the – I got four quarterbacks. I want to know who do you think is posed to have the most successful season next year? Now, all four of these guys, I don't think anyone's expecting a monster season. Uh-huh. But I got to assume, like, one of these guys is going to pull through and be, like, that Case Keenum this year. Or that, or that Alex, Foles. Or that Alex Smith. Yeah, or that Nick Foles, okay? So, I got four scenarios for you. Okay. You got Keenum in Denver with all, you know, all those veterans, uh, you know, that great franchise that Denver is. Okay. You got Bradford in Arizona. Now, if they, for some reason, don't go quarterback, rookie quarterback, or they do and they decide to start Bradford – um, starting in Arizona with Fitzgerald, um, you never know. That could be interesting. Maybe a second life there. Yeah. Um, what if Tyrod Taylor wins a starting job in Cleveland and he has that young core with Jarvis Landry and Josh Gordon? 
Um, that could be a good scenario, and he's always proving people wrong. And then um, Alex Smith in, in Washington, D.C., coming off of a career year, uh, going to a new team that Kirk Cousins had success with. Uh, who do you think is po poised to have the most successful season next year? So Case Keenum, Keenum Bradford, Bradford, Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, Alex Smith, Alex Smith. There's a lot of interesting I gotta, scenarios there. I, you know? I'm see, I'm putting Tyrod at the bottom because until the Browns start proving me wrong, yeah, he's in the worst position. Okay, all right, that's that's respectable. Because I mean, it, until I'm proven otherwise and, and I see it differently with my own eyes, the Browns are going to mess. It's the everything same reason up. why I don't think the Sixers are going to make it out of the East. I exactly, mean, just, I got to see it first. Exactly, um, I think Bradford is in that third spot. I don't. I don't think Arizona really has much around him. He's interesting him. in Arizona, though, right? I mean, yeah, it's, he's it's just, interesting. Just being in Arizona, the dry, the dome, dry weather. Still has Larry Fitzgerald. It's the fountain of youth in Arizona. Still has Larry Fitzgerald. Um, I just still has Duke jo or uh, David Johnson. Yeah, I just Arizona he doesn't really forever. do it for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd have to go either Case Keenum or Alex Smith because those are the two more proven guys. They, Those were the guys that had good seasons last year and basically were kicked to the curb. Exactly. They're now looking for something to prove. Yeah. And Alex Smith has been doing this. Keenum, you know, he's bounced around. Now he started – this is going to be his fourth team he started for yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. That's not – some people can't even start for one team. That's what I mean. Case Keenum, that's amazing. Um yeah, so yeah, you think you think Keenum and Alex Smith they're they're, yeah, they're set they're, up to have a decent season. Yeah, they're they're set up to have pretty good seasons. And I and I like the pieces that they have around them. Denver's not a team that I necessarily like really like, you know, like I'm a fan of, but I always respect Denver. Yeah. And so for me, I lean towards Keenum and Denver because I think he's going to do what he did in Minnesota just with just with Denver's team. Yeah. Uh, maybe not to that extent, but you know, I think Denver is a playoff contender with Keenum. Yeah. That's that wraps it up. Right. The two minute drill. Dope. Pretty good. That was good. All right. Utah Jazz, the bad boys of the NBA. Who <laughs> knew? Yeah, I mean, who would have thought anybody from Utah would be called the bad boy? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's like Salt Lake City is a great uh, is a great home court for a bad boy team. Yeah. Um, it's similar to kind of even like the '90s Pacers team, so it'd be it'd be fun to watch. Yeah. All right, you got any shout-outs before we get out of here? You know, I've been really bad about my shout-outs. Last I've three been, weeks. I just remembered it. Thank God. Yes. I don't know what just remember it. Shout-out to the Iverson High School Classic. Yes. Um, Alan Iverson, my favorite basketball player of all time, held an All-American game over the weekend. And, it, like, from – it couldn't have gone better. Uh, Mac McClung, the, the, you know, the YouTube sensation showed up. He wore the Hoyers jersey. Oh, yeah, he did the dunk contest for it, right? He did the dunk contest. He had a one-on-one -on -one contest at the All-American game, which was great. That's um, cool. But why this was so awesome, and it was like the perfect basketball event for me, I wish I was there, was the two MVPs of the game were Kevin Porter Jr., the Seattle native, going to USC. So I got my Seattle guy at the Iverson Classic. And then the other MVP was Nazir Little. <laughs> The North Carolina commit. So I got my Tar Heel getting the other MVP. Couldn't have been better for you. It couldn't have been better. My favorite player of all time handing the MVP to Seattle kid and a Tar Heel. I'm glad I remembered that. I was pissed <laughs> I couldn't remember that. He couldn't remember before the show, and he was so mad. I couldn't. I don't know. And I didn't know right when you said shout out. No. I, I, was, I was ready to just pity myself. Yeah. No. I was about to give you shit for not having a shout out three Irish weeks in a classic, row. Right, right there. All right, so my, my shout-out this week is to Derek Fisher for getting engaged to Gloria Gavon, who also happens to be Matt Barnes's ex-wife and mother of twin sons. Oh, yeah. Obviously, we remember the fight between the two former teammates that occurred uh, when Matt Barnes drove down from Santa Barbara at training <laughs> camp to, went to find Derek Fisher in his house uh, because he got a text from one of his sons. Um, Matt posted on Instagram today congratulating Fisher and Gavon and said that even though him and D fish didn't see eye to eye at first, they are on the same page and communicate weekly about, uh, Barnes's sons, because obviously Matt and his ex-wife have to co-parent the kids. Yeah. And now that Derek is in ex-wife's life, yep. he's around the kids. So, Tough I mean, scenario. 
I guess it's a happy ending because they're on the same page now and they yeah, communicate. As as it, yeah, as long as it's civil, I guess it's all good. But I mean, with Matt Barnes, you never know what's gonna happen. No, you know, it could <laughs> pop off. He's a wild one. <laughs> so anyway, don't forget you can find us at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on Twitter, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler's underscore world underscore. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Just type in keyword The Sports Kingdom Show in the search bar. Don't forget to subscribe us and rate us as well. We are also now on Anchor. Just go to anchor.fm slash TSK show or download the Anchor app for your iPhone or Android. That's it for this episode of the TSK show. We appreciate you all so much for listening. We will be back next week with another great episode. Peace. Later.